Israel at War, Day 17. I never thought I would say those words. I never thought any of this. This is just a complete failure of imagination. I think that's what we're all dealing with. We fail to imagine that this would be the new reality. Like some of us are just getting over COVID. But don't worry, we are going to find the joy and light in it all. Because I am here, your talented and humble host, Hanala Music, with episode 149. I need an assistant. I do. I need an assistant who will let me know what day it is and what episode I'm on and what planet we're all living on. Because this is not this is not what it used to be. Like, when did everything fall apart? And it happened so quickly. Like, I was pretty sure that Oprah would have my back until 10 days ago. I, I was under the impression that Alicia Keys was a nice person. I was. Like, it never crossed my mind that she would post a picture of paragliders on Instagram by accident. Like, when did so many actors and actresses become such jerks? Serious jerks. The amount of time that they've schlepped us through their dramas when they wanted to rally for this, that, or the other, and then just to turn their backs, and forget about turn their backs, not stand up against hate, hate against us. Like, what have we ever done wrong to you guys? Besides be there and support you and accept you, and I mean, it's just beyond the pale. It's really beyond the pale. The good news is, Normal people like Megyn Kelly and Dr. Phil and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dan Bongino and just a lot of great loud voices for Israel that are on the sane side of this argument. Because the other side of the argument is just pure insanity. It's pure lies. It's pure nonsense. It's absolute gaslighting in every single way. The world has been gaslit by the Palestinian Arabs. That's just what's going on here. There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way to understand why Israel had to insist that 200 journalists sit down and watch the GoPro footage and see it with their own eyes so they can go out and tell the world about what took place in Israel. And still, people don't want to hear it. It's really frustrating. It is. It's really frustrating. Like, Instagram used to be pretty pictures and people telling us to accept one another and love one another no matter what. And now we're at a place where up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left and everything's a big mishkebobble. And I can't find my footing here. I really can't. Unless, of course, I remember that I am part of a bigger picture. And that's really what my focus has been. Tonight, I had the opportunity to sing at two Chabad houses here in Miami Beach. And it was just old school Hanala Kumsitz singing the songs that people needed to sing and needed to hear. And it did everything that music needs to do for people. And it was my joy, my absolute pleasure to sit with other Jewish women and connect. And I have something very, very deep. I had a Chiddush. I never understood what what Rabbi Nachman meant when he said there's nothing as complete as a broken heart. Because as a songwriter, I'm like, it's either complete or it's broken. You can't be both at the same time. So I didn't understand the concept until now. 
until now, where I was in Publix today, and a man had a mug and with a mug and David on his necklace looked at me and saw the giant star that I'm wearing, and he hugged me. He embraced me in the potato chip aisle with all my kids hanging out <laughs> in Publix. He was just he hugged me so tight, like oh, he just because we're all in the same place. We all have throbbing, broken hearts, smashed to pieces. And we're all leaning into each other and beating as one heart. That's what I felt tonight. I'm like looking around the room. I'm like, we're all in the same place. We all have broken hearts, but we are complete because we are one heart. I mean, that's what it is. And that's why this experience has been so invigorating from the perspective of a Jew. I mean, if you have been on social media at all, which we likely have been overdosing on, um, you've seen the, what's coming out of Israel. Uh, I, I Honestly, first of all, we have one fine army. I'm just going to leave it at that. Other than that, I mean, the content, the social media content that's coming out of Israel, I mean, the Jews are next level awesome. They are next level awesome. If you are not proud to be a Jew today, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if why would you want to be on their team? Seriously. Like, we have, everything is just so delightful on our side. The music is awesome. I mean, how many incredible artists do we have as Jewish people? And while the rest of the world turns away, we turn in and we show up for each other. And that's why Sarit Khadad was in a hospital and Hanan Benari and Yishai Rebo and a million other artists. I mean, the whole gamut, the cast of Fauda, like every famous person in Israel now is like volunteering for the army or in the army. It's awesome. And, and the spirit and the... The joy, like, uh, and I know we're all thinking the same thing. Like, aren't you guys supposed to be fighting? Why is everybody dancing the whole day? Like, could you just, like, dance after the war? <laughs> but this is part of the Machemas Mitzvah. And the Machemas Mitzvah is to do the mitzvahs. And we're seeing so many mitzvahs, oh my goodness, from hundreds and hundreds of tefillin being delivered to soldiers and, and the amount of tzitzis being worn and stucca being given and davening and, and singing and, and inspiration. I, I mean, the army is just throbbing with Yiddishkeit and I could not be prouder and I love every single second of it and I know that Hashem is there with our soldiers and the Tyra is at their side and they are there for Am Yisrael and this is the army of, of Hashem and we're going to win this and Hashem always, always, always comes through with a big miracle. I mean, that's just his way. That's just his way. He does it every single time. And we look back and we're like, oh my God, wow. We, shouldn't, we didn't see it then. But it's coming. And yes, it hurts. It hurts desperately and, and, and just beyond. But, but, it's going to be good. It's going to be good because we are good. And whatever happens to us, we have each other. And whatever will be, whatever will be, it's going to end good. Because that's what we're promised and that's what we believe. And, and yeah, just, you know, go into your faith. Go into your faith. It's all, it's all there. And that's why it was so beautiful tonight because the women I was singing for were like bleeding heart liberals, some of them. And their hearts are broken too. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to sing through it. And that's what we did. We sang through our feelings. We discussed the feelings that we're having. I reminded them not to have fear and that we should be proud of who we are and do good things and that... We have an awesome army and it's going to be good and we're one and we're, we're united. And just really, we all embraced our love for Eretz Yisrael and our yearning for its safety 
and no more war. So that was really the idea of the kumzits. And I have another eight to go. <laughs> I'm literally singing every single night this week and every single morning this week. Like literally. In every single school and every single show, we've actually been considering renting an RV and taking our children on a road trip through America so I can just do kumzitzes for the next few months because this is a lot of fun. Seriously. So... We'll see. But the fact of the matter is, Baruch Hashem, America found some purpose for Hanala, who crazily enough is not in Israel during this war. I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, but whatever. In any case, I found my purpose here, and I'm so glad that I have beautiful, terrific women to sing for and with, and that's what I have been busy with. Now, I was thinking to myself, should I record a podcast? Should I not record a podcast? You know, I know everyone's getting just an influx of information on their phone. Some of you are following play-by-play. Some of you have your own private detectives working on this. Everybody's doing something. We're all engaged in something towards this war effort on every level. And then we're still just taking in all this information, all this anguish. I mean, just, I mean, death by a thousand cuts. Seriously, if this war is not death by a thousand cuts, I don't know what is. Except that we're not going to die and we will be okay. But the Arabs, they are some vicious, vicious people. Cruel. Wow. Wow. Am I happy I am a Jew? Wow. The cruelty. I mean, the videos of some kid today, eight years old, and she has two little kids in front of her. And one kid has an American flag on their forehead and the other kid has a Palestinian flag on their forehead. And she shoots them both. Dead. Ke'ilu. And then you look, the camera zooms in on her face and she has this malicious smile like, yes. What is, what's wrong with these people? I mean, could they be more self-destructive? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get this whole destruction thing. Like, it's so unnecessary. Seriously, nobody wants to see dead babies. I, I can't believe we're wasting our time with this nonsense. And Oprah's totally checked out. I have so many conflicted feelings. Uh, I'm like, all right. Anyways, let's focus for a minute. I really wanted to do this together. I wanted to read what Barack Obama had to say. He tweeted about nine hours ago, I wanted to share some thoughts on what's happening right now in Israel and Gaza. So we're going to read the statement by President Barack Obama on Israel and Gaza, October 23rd, 2023, together. And I will probably have some feelings that I will express with you. So here we go. Barack Obama. It's been 17 days since Hamas launched its horrific attack against Israel, killing over 1,400 Israeli citizens, including defenseless women, children, and the elderly. In the aftermath of such unspeakable brutality, the U.S. government and the American people have shared in the grief of families, prayed for the return of loved ones, and rightfully declared solidarity with the Israeli people. As I stated in an earlier post, Israel has a right to defend its citizens against such wanton violence, and I fully support President Biden's call for the United States to support our longtime ally in going after Hamas, dismantling its military capabilities, and facilitating the safe return of hundreds of hostages to their families. Okay, so far so good. Let's continue. But, it's always a but. But even as we support Israel, we should also be clear that how Israel prosecutes this fight against Hamas matters. In particular, it matters, as President Biden has repeatedly emphasized, he can't emphasize anything, but okay, (laughs) 
that Israel's military strategy abides by international law, including those laws that seek to avoid, to every extent possible, the death or suffering of civilian populations. Okay, why are we even talking about the law of war when we're not dealing with people who are people? Like, we're dealing with Hamas savages. These people are desert people. They're violent savages. They'll rip your head off with their bare hands. So why are we even discussing international law when everyone knows that Israel has the most moral army in the world and we just got completely sucker punched by a bunch of desert people, literally barefoot desert people who unfortunately have access to to technology. All right, let's hear what Obama has to say. Hang on. See, I'm already getting frustrated. Upholding these values is important for its own sake because it is morally just and reflects our belief in the inherent value of every human life. Upholding these values is also vital for building alliances and shaping international opinion, all of which are critical for Israel's long-term security. I I feel like I'm being chided. This is an enormously difficult task, you think? War is always tragic, and even the most carefully planned military operations often put civilians at risk. As President Biden noted during his recent visit to Israel, America itself has at times fallen short of our higher values when engaged in war. And in the aftermath of 9-11, the U.S. government wasn't interested in heeding the advice of our allies when it came to the steps we took to protect ourselves against al-Qaeda. Now, after the systematic massacre of Israeli citizens, a massacre that evokes some of the darkest memories of persecution against the Jewish people... It's understandable that many Israelis have demanded that their government do whatever it takes to root out Hamas and make sure such attacks never happen again. Moreover, Hamas's military operations are deeply embedded within Gaza and its leadership seems to have intentionally hidden everything, okay, my words, among civilians, thereby endangering the very people they claim to represent. All true, but still, no solution in sight. Still, the world is watching closely as events in the region unfold because everyone's obsessed with the Jews and any military and any Israeli military strategy that ignores the human cost could ultimately backfire. Backfire for who? Backfire for who? For me and for all the Israelis, the less Palestinians, the better. That's just the bottom line. Already thousands of Palestinians have been killed in the bombings of Gaza, many of them children. Let me tell you something. The amount of restraint that Israel is showing here is remarkable because every single Israeli citizen has one thought and one thought alone on what should happen over there in Gaza. And everybody feels the same way. The only reason that Israel is even casually striking Gaza is because there are civilians there. Otherwise, we would have taken care of this in one quick blow. Hamas is everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere you hit, there's Hamas. They're like just everywhere. I, I would c- compare them to something like cockroaches, but that would be racist. Uh, so he writes, the Israeli government's decision to cut off food, water, and electricity to a captive civilian population threatens not only to worsen a growing humanitarian crisis, it could further harden Palestinian attitudes for generations. Erode global... Okay, first of all, there's no change in their attitude. They, no, no, they, no matter what you give them, they will spit at your face and then stab you to death. So... It makes no difference what we give them or what we don't give them. And the more we don't give them, the better for us. As far as global support goes, it makes no difference either. Uh, Honestly, you're with Israel or you're not. And if you're not with Israel, you're with terrorists. So that, you know, besides Justin Trudeau and some other 
morons. I think most people get that. From what I see, Germany's like over it. They're like, oh, no, this is not happening now. Uh-uh. So let's see what unfolds over there. But as far as global support goes, normal countries, countries that have values and a moral compass are with Israel. Everyone else are terrorists. I mean, that's just the bottom line. All right, he continues. It's therefore important that those of us supporting Israel in its time of need encourage a strategy that can incapacitate Hamas while minimizing further civilian casualties. Impossible. Impossible. And Alan Dershowitz explained this on his podcast. He said, and I'm sure I won't say it like he says it because I barely have a high school diploma. The point of the matter is, he says that everyone is culpable of being prosecuted for a crime just by their sheer vicinity to the crime and how much they participated. And let me tell you something. Everyone in Gaza participated. Everyone. Remember when, when Avram said to Hashem, are there 10 tzaddikim there? And Hashem said, no. And Avram said, are there nine? Are there eight? Are there seven? There are very few people in Gaza that are worth saving at my child's expense or at any Israeli child's expense. That's just the bottom line. They turn them all, this is an entire terrorist culture, believing in a lie, about Israel and determined to destroy it, teaching their children that slaughtering Jews is just, you know, a lifestyle. And this is what they get in return for being terrorists. Like, what do you want? What does the world want? I don't get it. All right, back to Obama's letter. And while the prospects of future peace may seem more distant than ever, what do you mean? President Biden just tweeted that he believes in the two-state solution. I mean, the guy is just... uh, it's, someone must have taken his phone. We should call on all of the key uh, actors in the region to engage with those Palestinian leaders and organizations that recognize Israel's right to exist to begin articulating a viable pathway for Palestinians to achieve their legitimate aspirations for self-determination. They don't want self-determination. They don't want to work. They think that they're going to take over Israel and magically everything's just going to work out. Like, what exact, who's exactly is going to run the show? You've all been basically getting your PhDs in terrorism. Like, you're going to run Israel? I mean, we have the smartest minds in the world here. Like, the the most Nobel Prizes on the planet. And you guys are going to come here and run the show? Like, who are you kidding? You guys can't get anything done except killing. I I don't think... I still don't think the world gets it. Finally, in dealing with what is an extraordinarily complex situation where so many people are in pain and passions are understandably running high, we were just kind of having yumptif, minding our own business. So we don't really care about your feelings. All of us need to do our best to put our best values rather than our worst fears on display. One second, I just need to charge my jet ski, my electric jet ski. Okay, back to my letter. That means actively opposing anti-Semitism in all its forms. I ain't see you with a, a sign anywhere, like at a, at a you know pro-Israel rally, but whatever. It means rejecting efforts to minimize the terrible tragedy that the Israeli people have endured, as well as the morally bankrupt suggestion that any cause can somehow justify the deliberate slaughter of innocent people. Let me repeat that. As well as the morally bankrupt suggestion that any cause can somehow justify the deliberate slaughter of innocent people. And that's putting it nicely. It means rejecting 
anti-Muslim. One second, hang on. Let me change my tone. It means rejecting anti-Muslim, anti-Arab, or anti-Palestinian sentiment. It means refusing to lump all Palestinians with Hamas or any terrorist groups. Oh, give me a break. You guys have... The whole world, all of the Meshuggahim are out in the streets ranting for Palestine. Like, seriously? We shouldn't lump you all together? It means guarding against dehumanizing language towards the people of Gaza or downplaying blah, blah, blah. They're suffering because they're idiots and they made mistakes and now they're suffering. You know, that's it. No pity. And this is highlighted. It means recognizing that Israel has the right to exist, that the Jewish people have a claim to a secure homeland where they have ancient historical roots and that there have been instances in which previous Israeli governments made meaningful efforts to resolve the dispute and provide a path for a two-state solution, efforts that were ultimately rebuffed by the other side. Fact. It means acknowledging that Palestinians have lived in disputed territories for generations, that many of them were not only displaced when Israel was formed, but continued to be forcibly displaced by a settler movement, blah, blah. No patience. Um... Palestinian leaders who've been willing to make concessions, none of them. That's a big fat lie. Okay, perhaps most of all, it means we should choose not to always assume the worst in those with whom we disagree. In an age of constant rancor, trolling, and and misinformation on social media, at a time when so many politicians and attention seekers see an advantage in shedding heat rather than light, that's right, it may be unrealistic to expect respectful dialogue on any issue much less on an issue with such high stakes and after so much blood has been spilled. None of these people even know the Palestinians. That's what I don't get. Like, you're rallying for people you don't know. Like, we are literally here begging you to leave our siblings, our neighbors, our children alone. And you're just out on the streets ranting and raving about people you don't know. If you knew them, you would not like them. But if we care about keeping open the possibility of peace, security, and dignity for future generations of Israeli and Palestinian children, as well as for our own children... Then it falls upon us to make uh, to at least make the effort to model in our own words and actions the kind of world we want them to inherit. And then he shares four links. Number one, Israel is about to make a terrible mistake by Thomas L. Friedman. Well, if that doesn't tell us where you really stand. It's like saying I'm. It's like literally he just was like, well, not. I love you. I'm sorry. One Jew, one Muslim, and a friendship tested by war. Nobody has time to read a book now. A timeline of Israel and Palestine's complicated history. We don't have a history. We we, we were never in a relationship. We were just like, we're going to do our own thing over here and grow this little land, this dried up, shriveled piece of land that none of you seem to know how to do anything with. And hopefully you could just leave us alone. And they were like, no, we are obsessed with you. And you know what? That's baked into the cake. It's Yishmael and Yitzchak, the story of Ishmael and Isaac, if you will. And it's just the nature of how Hashem made made the world with the Jews and the Arabs and their intrinsic connection as cousins. And the good news is, by the way, thank you, Barack Obama. Make of that what you will. I'm not adding a word. (laughs) The good news is that the Jews are awesome. And I know this because I have an Instagram page called My Beautiful Land of Israel, and I share just positivity. And I'm like, I'm blown away. I'm literally blown away. I, I just, I have no words. I, I have no words, but I will find some. Did you guys see the video of this grandmother? Uh, um, this 85-year-old Holocaust survivor, okay, gets on camera. She looks great, by the way. She looks amazing. And she says in English that she's a 94, excuse me, 94-year-old Holocaust survivor named Naomi Waldman. And she was a little girl in the Holocaust, and the Germans started to bomb Belgium. 
and they were told to hide in the basement of a church, okay, with hundreds of other people from the Nazis. And everybody was praying and saying to Hillem and reciting things by heart, but she didn't know anything by heart. So all she could remember was the bracha of on bread. And she said it over and over again. Over and over again. And she says, my whole family was saved. She said, I never thought I would see another Holocaust. But there is a major difference between then and now. Then, we didn't have an army with such wonderful commanders and fantastic soldiers. This is so beautiful. And she says, this is your, he- your secret weapon. Listen up. When you feel danger, say the bracha hamotzi, hamaitzi. And may Hashem take the lechem, the battles, the war out of our land. I love you all. God keep you and uh, keep you safe and, and, and return you safe and sound to your families. And then she has that people send in videos of themselves saying hamaitzi. And they're going to put together a video. This woman's 94 years old and she's... She's helping out. She's part of the war effort. Um, another incredible woman I'm um, loving. Her name is Elia Talia. Yeah, Elia Talia. She's this gorgeous Israeli girl. She has great English. She's a paramedic working at the border. She She's fully loaded up. She's wearing all her gear all the time. And she is the only female paramedic at an army unit at, at by Gaza. Okay? The, her... her her soldiers go fight like she and she's the paramedic and she's she's begging people like please tell the world how beautiful israel is we're good people we're good people and we need your support and it's just amazing to see and then the videos of kids oh my gosh waiting for their abba to come home and israelis are amazing like they they are so good at social media their videos are terrific they all use these great emotional songs and they sync it up and the door opens and abba comes home and he's wearing his uniform and the kids come hugging and everybody's excited and everybody's dancing and hugging and kissing and it's just it's just so israel and so beautiful what's more delicious than a kid squealing and jumping up from a, a kindergarten gone table where they're playing lego because their rob is here and jumping into his arms it's just you know kids know kids know that their fathers went to fight in a war and that's a very scary thought for a six-year-old so this is this is really intense for all israelis like everybody is feeling this right now we're all in this together but like i was saying am yisrael who is like am yisrael I mean, they collected thousands, forbid it, collected, donated thousands of bouquets of flowers, Arab Shabbos, for all the wives of the soldiers. Who has time to think about that? Who has time to think about that? It's really been, it's really been a very special time for the Jewish people. All kinds of incredible miracles and stories unfolding. I, I got this, I would say firsthand, but it was forwarded many times on WhatsApp, but that's kind of the same thing. A... Palestinian dental student at Turo College named Sami Ahamad, okay? He's at Turo, he's a dental student, and he ends up, he bumps into like a firm guy, like a Babich guy or whatever, a firm guy with tits out and everything. And the guy says to him, the patient, this firm guy, this Jew, says, hey, Sammy, wh- where are you from? He says, Pal- Palestine. So he says, oh, oh, okay, so like how are you feeling about this whole situation? He's like, um, I don't know. He's like, I, I don't know. He's like, you know, my. it turns out his mother is a Ukrainian-Russian Jew and her father 
was a guy that came from, you know, Gaza or wherever. And they got married and had Sammy. And he's Jewish. So this rabbi starts freaking out inside. Like, you're not Palestinian, you're Jewish. And he says, you need to put on tefillin. And there were no tefillin, but on the college campus, another Jew walks by, and lo and behold, he has access to tefillin. And before you know it, Sammy Ahmad is putting on tefillin for the first time. It's amazing. It's amazing. It just gives you the chills. I don't know what the significance is, but it's amazing. And then the Israeli soldiers, the female soldiers, lighting Shabbos candles and, and sitting together and doing Hafrash's challah and singing and just doing the mitzvahs, doing the mitzvahs that show Hashem that this is a holy war and that we're in it to win it and that Am Yisrael is turning to Hashem and doing what needs to be done so that we're zaycha, we're zaycha, that Hashem should be yad chazaka, Take us out of this deep, dark gullus. Um, Oh, did you see this? Kevin Chen opens his concert at Carnegie Hall with Hatikva. This is really beautiful. Kevin Chen is what appears to be like an 11-year-old Chinese kid, but probably 14. And he he's a concert pianist. And he opened at Carnegie Hall with Hatikva. And the audience appears to be mostly white Ashkenazi Jews, and they all sing Hatikva with him, and he plays it beautifully, and it's just like, wow. Oh, uh, did you guys see the Shabbos table? I mean, they set a Shabbos table for every Israeli man, woman, and child that's missing. And the table just goes on and on and on. It's it's really beyond. And they made the table beautiful, and then they put two pictures of the missing, like hostage pictures, because for us, for Jews, every single missing person is a family member. Like, who could breathe thinking about everybody that's in Gaza? Like, I'm sick. We're all sick about it. It's demonic. Like Candace Owens likes to say, demonic. Ah, and how do you fight demons? <sighs> With angels. And there are so many angels. Like this Israeli grandmother. And there's a picture of this Israeli grandmother. And she is in her late 80s, maybe early 90s. And she decided that she is going to sit and knit green beanies for the soldiers because it's getting cold at night. And she bought all the green yarn in the store that her grandson drove her to. And there's a picture of her sitting here knitting beanies for the soldiers. And hello, just it's beautiful. And then the engagements and the weddings. Like, what the heck? I think like 500 people got married this weekend. I mean, the sheer amount of soldiers, it's, it's, the truth is, it's heartbreaking, but the sheer amount of soldiers that proposed and got married, like in 24 hours in the last 10 days, it's just only Jews could pull that off. And the most lebedic, joyful weddings. I mean, the sheer joy, the exuberance that the Israeli soldiers have for their brother-in-arms who's getting married and proving to Hamas and proving to the world that it doesn't matter what you do to us. We are going to live and we are going to have children and we're going to grow and we're going to bring light because children are light and we're going to teach our children to respect all human beings. Every single color. And only to fight back when they want to kill you. That's it. That's our whole philosophy. That's pretty much it. So I am, in a sense, a new person just from all this inspiration and light that I'm seeing. It's like I knew it was always there, but to see it, just across the board here in Florida and online and in Eritrean and, and everybody has just been absolutely amazing. Our first responders, 
our first responders, the free pass to Ganeden. I mean, free pass to Ganeden. Those guys are the dignity, the dignity. We are the opposite of our enemies. Our enemies have no dignity. They have nothing. They are worthless, absolutely worthless. And we have incredible people from all over the world sending gear and and and. and materials and and who knows what backpack i don't know what's in all this stuff and i i think i think we're good i mean i think we're good from what i understand the israeli soldiers are eating great and have everything they need everyone has three be- three beanies and six pairs of tzitzis and as much snacks as they can possibly eat and cigarettes and you know you need cards and fresh fruit, fruit platters and shawarma and falafels and concerts i mean it's it everybody's fine Everybody's doing good. So in that respect, it's just been so beautiful to see. It really has been so beautiful to see all the babies being born and all the beautiful Jewish songs being sung and the vocal Jewish incredible journalists and commentators and political pundits that are speaking up on on behalf of the Jewish people and dedicating their platforms to, you know, fighting for goodness and freedom and light and sanity in this world so good for them it's just been incredible to see and and what can i tell you focus on the good there is so much good and so much light and we're in this together and we're going to get through this and we're going to cry together and we're going to be one big smashed broken heart that's what we are right now one big smashed broken heart but we have to believe that it's going to be good and and trach gut gut and simcha par together I mean, Simcha smashes boundaries. It smashes resistance. What does that mean? It means through joy, we can change our destiny. So how awesome is that? This is totally in our control, how this is going to pan out. It's totally in our control. I heard some story about a, a woman, not story. I, I I was, you know, forwarded from a verified story of a woman who recently had a near-death experience, a Jewish woman, and she woke up and she said that she literally was up in Shemaim and she saw the conflict and the conflict will only be resolved with Ahavis Israel and with everyone loving each other and just doing good with and to one another. And we're seeing it left and right. There's no more left and right. We're all one. We're all unanimous. We're going to fight this together. We're brothers and sisters. We have a beautiful a tradition to cherish, a beautiful religion to uphold. We have a beautiful Tyra that unites all of us, and I feel more invigorated in my Yiddishkeit, in my connection to Hashem, in my Amuna, in my love for Eretz Yisrael than ever before. So hopefully you continue to take in good content and retail him. And I know it sounds like, okay, read to, no, but literally read Tehillim. Tehillim is so spot on. It is so accurate on the money, relevant and appropriate and timely. It's just, it's mind blowing. Everything, everything is in the books. Everything is in the books, all the answers. That said, I'm going to leave you with one more thought. And uh, yeah, and remind you to like the podcast or subscribe or whatever it is that helps support the show. I appreciate it. As we speak, as I speak to you right now, whenever you listen to this, if you listen to it right now in, in an hour, in 12 hours, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, in the Upper Galilee, near Tzvas, there are groups of Mikubalim praying around the clock, 24 hours a day in shifts, in a cave full of candles. They are davening to Hashem on behalf of the Chayalim 
and of Am Yisrael. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I promise you it's going to be good. You heard it here first. You heard a lot of things first, by the way. Yes, you did. This is the Weekly Squeeze. I'll see you next week. <laughs>